Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. Welcome to the Situation Report today. Glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stonlicker, and again, very glad to have you <coughs> joining today and uh, looking forward to this conversation. This is a conversation that we have had <laughs> kind of generally over several episodes but not one that I have spent time on specifically. Today we're going to talk about the importance of a biblical worldview, how to develop a biblical worldview. This may be a little bit out of the norm of what we talk about. But again, as we look at so many of the issues going on in our world and so much of even the cultural drift and shift uh, that's happening around us, we talk about a biblical worldview as a way to navigate what's happening, as a way to contextualize what's happening, as a way to figure out how we can continue to move forward in spite of what may be happening around us. And yet, not many people, and I'm going to read a couple of articles to you and give you some statistics here in just a minute, but not many people in our world any longer, that is our Christian world here in the United States, any longer hold to a true biblical worldview. Many people don't even know what it means to have a biblical worldview. And as a Christian, this is very important to me as those who live in what has traditionally been called a Christian nation. This should be important to all of us. When we look at the drift culturally and the drift, uh, particularly in, in social areas, uh, I think that so much of that drift can be tied back to this understanding of worldview and the lack of worldview. I'm going to share this article with you. I've got two things to share here. Number one is this article that talks about pastors in America and their biblical worldview or lack of it. Uh, we're going to look at that in a minute. And then we're going to go look at uh, an article that was written uh, actually from Focus on the Family on how to develop a biblical worldview. So I want to start with this, though, because this really speaks to the the struggle that we are having as Christians in the United States. This article uh, was written by uh, Tracy Munsell in the American Worldview World Inventory. And the title of it is, New Study Shows Shocking Lack of Biblical Worldview Among American Pastors. That's crazy. That title right there should get you to read this, if nothing else does. Um, we talk about biblical worldview, and we could say, well, people aren't going to church enough, and they're not doing the things they're supposed to often enough. They're not going to the right places, and they're just not learning. But if they would put themselves in the right setting, if they put themselves in church on Sunday, if they put themselves in those discipleship classes, maybe they'd learn. Not if pastors, those who are leading these congregations, don't share a biblical worldview. So I want to uh, read some of this to you. It's a, it's a, actually their commentary, Tracy's commentary on a uh, Barna study. Um, uh, the Barna research firm does a lot of 
statistical analysis and research on the Christian community. And so this comes from that. Uh, but uh, Dr. Tracy Munsell wrote this article, a new nationwide survey of American uh, of America's Christian pastors. Let me pause real quick. This was in 2022. Again, as I've explained in the last uh, couple of episodes, uh, so much of our statistical analysis and the data we take is from the previous year. Uh, that's the case here. So looking at 2022, a new nationwide survey of America's Christian pastors shows that a majority of pastors lack a biblical worldview, period. Okay, now we're going to jump into some of the, the data that's given here. But this opening sentence says that a majority of pastors lack a biblical worldview. <clears throat> now, uh, when we talk about pastors, I understand that is a very broad category of professional um, clergy, right? These are people who are paid most of the time to lead congregations. Uh, Christianity, as we've talked about before, we could use that phrase Christian, I, mean, I am a Christian, or uh, talk about Christianity. It, it is so broad, it encompasses so many different systems of belief, uh, not one is necessarily connected to the other. So when we say a majority, uh, and you may look at your church, your congregation, your denomination and say, that's not true here. Well, maybe it's not. Uh, but the majority, according to this article, this study of pastors, people that lay people normal people, not professional church people, would go to for biblical counsel and advice, this article um, says, lack a biblical worldview. It goes on. In fact, just slightly more than a third, 37%, possess a biblical worldview, and the majority, 62%, hold a hybrid worldview known as syncretism. Um, unbelievable statistics. Let's, let's read through this. These shocking findings are part of the American Worldview Inventory 2022 conducted by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University and administered to Christian pastors to better understand the worldviews that drive their thinking and behavior. As veteran researcher and CRC director of research George Barna explains, it's just further evidence that the culture is influencing the American church much more than Christian churches are influencing culture. Uh, man, I'll pause there for a second. Is there any wonder we're seeing so many of the the issues that we're seeing? I, I've asked this question of a lot of folks who I've interviewed on the Situation Report. Why is this happening? That's kind of, <laughs> I'm a real deep guy, so I'll ask that question. Why is this happening? Why are we seeing this happen? Particularly when we talk about issues related to gender and the transgender movement and the drag queen story hour stuff that parents are taking their children to watch and uh, this idea of critical race theory, that the system is broken and that the entire American system needs to be burned down and built back up from the ground, uh, that there is inborn injustice in our system. Why is it that even Christians and churches have adopted this idea? I heard uh, even today, I was, I was watching a video clip of a very well-known pastor here in the United States very, very large church, uh, talking about the inclusion and why we should include those in the LGBTQ community in our church congregation and how we need to give them a safe place and a, a place where they are not only welcome, but they, they have the opportunity to worship uh, the God that they love 
and the Savior that they love and want to live for. And he said a lot of things in this clip. Now, I believe that we should provide a welcoming environment for anyone that wants to come to church. Uh, completely agree with that. Completely disagree with the premise that you can live in absolute violation of scripture <laughs> and say that you want to live for the God who is the author of that scripture. So for a well-known uh, evangelical pastor in the United States to preach, to assert in a congregational setting that we need to have an environment where uh, everyone has the ability to welcome or to, to worship. And he didn't say these words, but this is the implication. However they see fit, that's what we should do. He mentioned, as he was talking in that clip, that he knows what the Bible says. He knows all the passages about the homosexual lifestyle, and those are fun to look at. <laughs> but there's a comma after that statement, and then he went on to talk about inclusion. Um, this is a problem. And if that's from the pulpit down, there is no explanation of what the Bible says and why it says it and how to deal with the issues explained in the Bible in a compassionate, grace, gracious, loving way. Um, then we're going to have problems. And that's exactly what's happening. As Barna says in this article, culture is influencing the church much more than the church is influencing culture. Here's the problem. If we allow culture to drag us down the road uh, away from what God has taught us to believe and commanded us to believe in the Bible and Scripture, then uh, we will not have the ability any longer to be the salt and light that the Bible tells us to be. Um, man, what a crazy place to be. And we've, we've, many of us have said this for a long time. This is what's happening, and the church is, is losing its influence. Uh, but now we have data to support that. Uh, let me read, uh, read on in this article. According to the latest report, the level of biblical worldview varies by the pastoral position held. <clears throat> Among sen senior pastors, for instance, 41% hold a biblical worldview, the highest incidence among any of the five pastoral positions studied. Next highest was the 28% among associate pastors. One of the more concerning revelations emerging from the research is the worldview of pastors who work with young people, Barna noted. The study found that only 12% of children and youth pastors hold a biblical worldview. 12%. And among teaching pastors, the level of biblical worldview is a mere 13%. So here, here's what you have. 12% of those who work with teenagers and youth and 13% of teaching pastors, those who stand up on Sunday morning and, and preach, teach the congregation, only 12 and 13% respectively hold a biblical worldview. So those who are training our kids in church, from young into their adolescence, into their teen years, and then over into what we might call big church, right? If you come from a church background, uh, outside of children's and youth ministry, the main services. So 12% of those folks actually hold a biblical worldview. That's not very many. That means most people teaching our children in the context of a church don't believe everything the Bible says or don't view the world from a biblical perspective. And then when those kids get into the main auditorium and they're hearing the Bible preached on Sunday morning, only 13% of those communicating to them hold a biblical worldview. So where does that leave us? Every time I start this show, I mention that this show is designed to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. 
The place that we should be getting most of our information and perspectives is from the church. But only 12 or 13% of those who are communicating what the Bible says, giving us the perspectives and information we need, actually believe what God told us to believe. Have you ever picked up a towel set because it felt really soft in the store? But then when you got to use it, it's not very absorbent. It's basically a towel that's leaving you out to dry. That's why MyPillow has developed the MyPillow Towels. Towels that work. I know, it's mind-blowing. Towels that actually dry you. Their six-piece towel set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. They come in a variety of colors, and right now you can receive a six-piece set for only $39.98 with promo code SITREP. Go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener special. MyPillow products all come with a 10-year warranty and their 60-day money-back guarantee. To receive this amazing offer on the six-piece set of MyPillow towels, just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special, and enter promo code SITREP or call 800-870-0283. That's MyPillow.com, promo code SITREP. We were not made to live in isolation. Sadly, many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. A lot of guys end up drinking, a lot of guys end up losing hope. Someone will go to the VA and they'll try to get, you know, prescription medications to help with PTSD. You know, they'll get pills for anxiety, they'll get pills because they can't sleep, now they'll get pills for depression before they know it. they're taking 12 different medications. And when it's not working out, these guys lose hope, and that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. As a result, we've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Everything they said just kept hitting me in the heart over and over and over again. It's like all the things that I didn't know that I needed to hear. And uh, I opened my heart to God that week, dude, and like... (laughs) I've been a different person ever since. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. We provide our programs and resources, including travel, at no cost to our warriors. I remember talking to a licensed uh, social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went. Glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. Our mission is to serve and restore our nation's warriors and families who have endured hardship through their service to America and to help them find new life purpose through hope in Christ. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. This is a quote. A person's worldview primarily develops before the age of 13, then goes through a period of refinement during their teens and 20s. Therefore, from a worldview development perspective, a church's most important ministers are the children's pastor and the youth pastor, Barna said. Discovering that seven out of every ten, uh, seven out of every eight of those pastors lack a biblical worldview helps to explain why so few among the nation's youngest generations are developing a heart 
and mind for biblical principles and ways of life. And why our society seems to have run wild over the last decade, Barna explained. According to ACU President Lynn Munsell, the findings highlight that the biblical worldview crisis in America begins at the top. Quote, our latest research shows that this is stunning Erosion of biblical understanding is present even among the leaders of the church, Munsell said. Uh, we need a comprehensive strategy to rebuild biblical worldview into every generation and in every part of life. For ACU, this means strategically training our students to develop a biblical worldview through their academic curriculum, spiritual formation programs, and co-curricular activities. And through CRC, we continue to identify ways to build biblical worldview throughout the church, in families, and throughout our culture. Uh, that's a, a great statement from um, the, uh, the head of this university that's putting this together. Um, however... <laughs> Um, when we think about the associated uh, uh, statistics I'm looking for here, Barna said, a person's worldview primarily develops before the age of 13, then it's good for a college or a university to say, we're going to go through a process of teaching worldview and how to develop a worldview, but most of that person's worldview, even at 18, 19, and 20 years old, has already been developed. I'll continue reading. The latest report from the AWVI 2022 found that the prevailing worldview among pastors is best described as syncretism. The blending of ideas and applications from a variety of holistic worldviews into a unique but inconsistent combination that represents their personal preferences. More than six of every 10 pastors, that's 62%, hold a syncretistic worldview. The trend is also being seen more widely in American culture, with almost 9 out of 10 U.S. adults, 88%, embracing syncretism as their primary worldview, according to a report from last year's study of competing worldviews. According to the latest release, pastors have a biblical worldview in only one of eight worldview categories measured. Overall, 57% of all pastors think and act in consistently biblical ways regarding the purpose of life and their calling. Leading the way in biblical understanding of life, purpose, and calling is senior pastors, among whom 60% are consistently biblical. A minority of the other four pastoral segments hold a biblical worldview in this area. 48% of children's and youth pastors, 41% of associate pastors, 36% of teaching pastors, and 27% of executive pastors. A minority of all Christian pastors think and act biblically in each of the seven categories of worldview measurement. Specifically, only 47% have a biblical worldview regarding family and the value of life. 44% concerning issues related to God, creation, and history. 43% in relation to personal faith practices. 43% when it comes to matters of sin, salvation, and one's relationship with God. 40% pertaining to human character and human nature. And 40% when it comes to measures of lifestyle, personal behavior, and relationships. That paragraph should bother, should scare anyone who listens to it. A minority of all Christian pastors thinks and acts biblically. Then they give the breakdown less than 50% in every single category. How we practice our faith, what we believe about the Bible, what we believe about God, sin, and salvation. All less than 50% of American pastors believe what the Bible has to say. 
this idea of syncretism is exactly what we're seeing in so many pulpits in America, so many churches in America, taking biblical principles and tying those to cultural principles. We could say it this way, biblical worldview and synchronizing, (laughs) it's syncretism, synchronizing biblical worldview with cultural and social worldview and norms and making the two work together. The problem is when you bring two opposing worldviews together, something has to give, something has to go, and most often it is the absolutes of the Bible that have to be set aside. The teachings of the Bible about grace and about love and about kindness and about charity, about doing uh, for others, these are accepted both in Christianity and in culture, and so they work well together. Ideas of sin and eternal hell, uh, a God who is perfect and holy, and judgment that comes to those who reject his ways, that doesn't work well with our culture, so that needs to go. Parts of the Old Testament fit. Perhaps God was involved in creation. But culture says that we are evolved from nothing. We are nothing. We're going to nothing. So we need to make that somehow work. Maybe God started it, but then evolution took over. So many areas that have to be combined. When you combine two opposing worldviews, however, you lose the essence and the foundation, the integrity of either. But this is where so many in the church world are living today. Lowest of all, I'm continuing to read, is a category that might have been expected to top the list. Beliefs and behaviors related to the Bible, truth, and morality. Only 39% of all pastors have a biblical worldview in this area. Barna offered a note of hope in spite of the data. You cannot, he he quotes, uh, he has quoted, you cannot fix something unless you know it's broken, he commented. Other recent research we have conducted suggests most pastors believe that they are theologically in tune with the Bible. Perhaps these findings will cause many of them to take a careful look at how well their beliefs and behavior conform to biblical principles and commands. As Barna noted, it certainly seems that if America is going to experience a spiritual revival, that awakening is needed just as desperately in our pulpits as in the pews And uh, the Bible tells us that uh, repentance begins in the house of the Lord. Certainly it begins with pastors and those who claim to hold the truth. Uh, This is troubling. And again, as I mentioned in the beginning, um, pastors, that that phrase, that that word, that title, uh, that job of being a pastor, it's very broad. It covers so many different denominations and different worldviews, as was just illustrated. To be a church to be a Christian. Very, very broad. I understand that. I realize that. Um, So we can step back and say, well, my church is different. My denomination is different. And I hope if you're listening, it is different. If you're not sure, then you need to pay attention because you need to be in a church where the pastor, the leadership holds to biblical worldview. Uh, This is not to be unkind. This is not to be Um, overly aggressive to the culture around us. We are certainly here to communicate the gospel to the culture, uh, but the Bible needs to be the one that holds and everything else gives way. 
We need to communicate truth with grace, with love, with kindness, of course, with compassion. We need to do those things, but we need to continue to communicate the truth of God's word. And yet so many churches aren't doing that. If yours is one of those, you need to find one where a biblical worldview is what is held to. Um, If these statistics are true, that's less than 50% of churches in the United States, maybe far less, we don't know. Um, But that begs the question then, all right, I get it, I understand. This is something I try to communicate to my family often. Um, We, we, my family, we're part of a great church, and I'm very thankful for the church that we are a part of. pastor is very strong and very clear, very biblical, teaches very well. Um, That is the case throughout the leadership of our church. And I'm thankful that my kids can be in youth ministry. And before that, they were in children's ministry, that our family can be in that church as well, that we can be taught. And uh, I'm very, very thankful for that. But one of the things I've continued (coughs) to teach my family is that when it comes to uh, spiritual growth and development, when it comes to discipleship, we need mentors, we need people speaking into our lives, we need to hear the Bible preached, we need to be in church on Sunday and be around other people who communicate that to us. Uh, But as has been said, we need to learn how spiritually to feed ourselves. There are a lot of people who say, well, I get fed spiritually at church, I get fed spiritually uh, through this ministry or that ministry. It's good to be a part of those things, but there needs to be a daily feeding We need to develop a biblical worldview on our own. We need to say, all right, how do I develop within myself and in my family the ability to see the world, to contextualize culture in a way that reflects what the Bible has to say? How do I do that? And I am all for um, being in the right place and being taught by the right people. I'm 100% for that. But I also know that if less than half of our churches are teaching the Bible, then we need to know what the Bible says, possess a biblical worldview, so that we can even understand what's happening in the pulpit of our church. And it's very, very important that we do that. The Bible in the New Testament talks about the Bereans who studied Scripture daily to see if what they were being taught was what the Bible said. They were in the Bible. They learned the Bible. They understood the Bible so that they knew how to deal with what they were being told. Uh, you're making life, lifelong, I was going to say life and death, but lifelong decisions. You're making eternity-altering decisions now, based on what you're being taught. Know what the Bible says. Know what is happening. That takes me to this second article that I want to share with you. Uh, this is from Focus on the Family, and uh, they have, of course, so many great resources. But as I was reading... The study that I just shared with you, uh, I wanted to find a place that outlines, here are some things that you can do to develop a biblical worldview. And I uh, came across this, this article on the Focus on the Family website that uh, I'd love to share with you here. Uh, just some thoughts. If you are a person who lives alone, this is something you can do. Certainly, if you have children in your home, this is something that you can teach them. Let me read some of this to you. We live in a world full of ideas. <clears throat> Whether we're watching a movie, listening to music, scanning friends' social media feeds, indulging in a YouTube fave, or uh, parsing the day's news, we're constantly bombarded with ideas, stories, and narratives. Some of them we may agree with. Some points of view rub us the wrong way. Others, well, we're not sure what we think. That's why having a consistent frame of reference is so important. It helps us to make sense of all those ideas flying at us. Try, uh, uh, trying to sort out, 
I'm sorry, trying to sort through all those ideas can feel overwhelming. Thankfully, Scripture offers practical and accessible wisdom that enables us to consider everything we encounter in the world from a godly perspective. We call that a biblical worldview. Now, let me read that last sentence again, just so we're clear. Scripture offers practical and accessible wisdom that enables us to consider everything we encounter in the world from a godly perspective. What is that called? That is called a biblical worldview. That's what we're talking about. A way of seeing and understanding the competing ideas we might encounter in a given day, whether it's in entertainment, the news, <clears throat> or social media. I'll admit that the world, uh, the word worldview might feel a bit intimidating. It feels kind of philosophical, which might be a bit off-putting for some folks, but doesn't have to be. Let me explain. If I were a worldview, what would I be? This is the question. If I were a worldview, what would I be? Every person has a worldview, whether we realize it or not. It's a way that we see the world that encompasses our experiences, beliefs, and ideas about what we think is good and bad, right or wrong, worth our time or a waste of time. And the people who are creating the entertainment, news, and content I mentioned above all have a worldview too. Anything we watch or listen to or consume has a perspective that addresses some basic questions. What is good and worthy of praise? What's bad and to be rejected? What is most important in life? You may not realize it, but every piece of entertainment you consume is dealing with these questions. Even something as seemingly forgettable as a car commercial has a worldview. Every car commercial suggests that if you buy this bright, shiny new car, your life will be better. That's a worldview, one that reinforces the ultimately empty promise that true happiness in life comes through consumption and acquiring stuff. As we pay attention to the ideas floating out there, we begin to see that the people delivering those ideas care about some things and not other things. Sometimes it's obvious. Other times it's subtle. But if you dig a bit, there's always a worldview being expressed. It embraces some values and rejects others. Um, there's, there's much more here, but I want to just jump into this. He gives an example. It's a great example. But uh, how do we uh, begin to develop this worldview? Um, let me, let me pause real quick, right? He just explained what a worldview is, but more importantly, I think, explained that everyone has one. You have one, whether you know it or not. Um, maybe you are like apparently most pastors in the United States where you take a syncretic um, Bible and culture and bring them together kind of worldview. Um, maybe you do hold to a true biblical worldview. Maybe you're not sure whether you can define it or not. You have a worldview. You have a framework through which you process what's happening in culture. You do. So it's important to understand that so do advertisers, so do those who produce media, so does uh, do those who produce music and, and write books and, and everyone around you. Everyone has a worldview. And so you need to ground yourself, all right? Here's the next section. How Jesus shapes our biblical worldview. Really important. He says, everyone has a worldview, a perspective on reality. In fact, you can't not have one. And when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, he begins to reshape our hearts, minds, and souls. We are justified by faith in him in a moment, but the process of sanctification, of growing to be more like him, takes a lifetime. As we begin to view reality through the prism of our Christian faith, our worldview is shaped and transformed, becoming more coherent and integrated because we have unifying a unifying frame of reference. As such, 
That deepening Christian worldview enables us to think clearly about competing understandings of how we make sense of life, understanding that uh, understandings that are everywhere in popular culture. We also grow in our Christian worldview by reading and thinking deeply about Scripture. There, we see two different paths toward making sense of life and everything in it, one shaped by the world and one shaped by God's truth. All right, so he says, this is where that biblical worldview begins. It begins by having a relationship with God. It begins by understanding that God is the creator, that he is perfect, that we, as humanity, are sinful. We could look back to Genesis and see uh, sin, that is rebellion against God. Uh, it's denying God's word, rejecting God's word. That sin keeps us separate from God. God loved us enough, however, to send Jesus, his son, to live on the earth, to live a perfect life, to eventually die on the cross and pay the price for our sin. It has to be paid for. But because he's God, three days after he paid that price, he rose again. And if we'll put our faith and confidence in him for the forgiveness of sin that he paid for, we can have a relationship with God. All right, that's where this worldview thing begins. So if you have not yet entered into a relationship with God by putting your faith in Christ, you can't truly hold to a biblical worldview because that's the premise of the Bible, <laughs> that we are sinful, that God is holy, that we can't get to God on our own, that we need a Savior, that is Jesus, to not only pay the price for our sin, but to give us the ability to allow us to have. He is the mediator between God and man. He is what allows us to have a relationship with God the Father. That's the premise of Scripture. And so the Bible tells us how to live in a way that reflects that relationship. That's what a biblical worldview is. That's where it begins. The next section, laying the foundation. In Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, the Apostle Paul writes, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, <clears throat> making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We might be tempted to believe that the ideas and values of the world don't influence us. But Paul taught differently. He understood that the ways of the world bend us toward evil, towards things in opposition to God. In this passage, Paul encourages us to pay attention, look carefully, to the ways the world might be shaping us. The next section, build, uh, building on your biblical worldview foundation. There's a lot in this article. Uh, I'm throwing out the big points to you. But man, it's so good. It starts with having a relationship with God through Jesus. That begins to change us. The Bible even tells us we then have the Holy Spirit of God living within us to guide us into truth, to teach us what is right. That's the foundation. From there, it's an understanding that the world around us also has their worldview, and we are to be wise, to be awake. <laughs> the Bible uses the word sober in another place in Ephesians, not to speak of not consuming alcohol, but to be sober-minded, to be uh, disciplined, to be focused, to be awake, to be aware of what's going on around us. Don't just drift. The media loves it when we drift because they can take us exactly where they want us to be. Don't just drift. You have the relationship with God. That is the foundation. You're aware that everyone has a worldview, including yourself. You need to pay attention. The next section, building on your biblical worldview foundation. Um, 
I'll just read it. There's a lot I want to say. Let me read this. Hopefully, you've been able to see here that learning to see your entertainment and media choices from a biblical worldview doesn't have to be difficult. Mostly, it involves a willingness to move from being a passive consumer to actively evaluating the ideas we see. Actively evaluating. You watch something on television. An idea is presented. Instead of passively accepting that idea as true or passively accepting it as uh, it is delivered, evaluate it. What would the Bible say about what's happening here? What would the Bible say about what's going on here? Uh, everyone was a teenager. I was younger than a teenager probably. I was um, maybe in my early teens, maybe 12 or 13 years old. My family and I were watching a, a television show, <clears throat> a sitcom. Um, probably in the late 80s, so it was a long time ago, maybe early 90s, uh, depending on how old exactly I was. But I remember watching this show, and it was a sitcom that we enjoyed watching. And uh, this has stuck with me since then. Um, there was a scene that took place, something happened, a conversation was had. Again, it was a sitcom. It was also the late 80s, so it wasn't graphic or anything. But the conversation that took place uh, was about something and kind of made light of something that certainly is contrary to what the Bible says. And I remember my dad. So, you know, you, don't, you can't stop TV back then. In case you're wondering, you couldn't just push pause, right? It wasn't streaming. <laughs> Waiting for a commercial. Commercial happened. I remember my dad turned off the TV. It was me and my sister sitting there. And he explained to us what they had talked about, what they meant, and what the Bible said about what happened. I've never forgotten that. That's what we're talking about when we talk about having a biblical worldview. It is not passively accepting what the world, the culture around us, those without a relationship with God want us to, to think and to believe. It is to, uh, to evaluate everything we're being told through the lens of what would the Bible say. But in order to do that, you have to be committed to responding. If the Bible communicates, if God communicated through Scripture something different than the culture around us is telling us to believe. Let me... Continue reading. Then we begin to practice asking basic questions like the ones above. Uh, what's the main message here? What's shown to be positive? What's negative? And then we can add this question. How does that worldview compare to what I believe? As you and your family start asking and discussing questions like these together, you'll be cultivating a biblical worldview, and you might just have some great conversations along the way. Um, other uh, items are given in this article, but I'll stop there. <clears throat> because there it is. You have to know what the Bible says. How do you know what the Bible says? By reading it, by spending time, and hearing good preaching, uh, reading books about the Bible and about things that the Bible says, uh, being around other people who can communicate Scripture to you. All of those are very important and very helpful, but it is uh, being in the Bible yourself. Uh, get on version. get yourself a Bible reading plan. Every day it will tell you what to read. There are hundreds of plans on there. And you can check those out, and you can read one of those every single day. Get into it, different topics, different ideas, different books. You can read through the Bible in a year. So many opportunities. There's no excuse now with technology to not do some of these things. But you can connect with the Bible. Know what it says. And when you hear something that doesn't seem to ring true, ask yourself, what does the Bible say about this? So many online tools that can even help you figure some of those questions out. Be in the Word. Next is be in prayer. Spend time every day praying. 
asking God for the things you need in your life, of course, but ask, ask as James 1, 5 says, for wisdom. And the Bible there says in James 1, 5, that if you ask wisdom in faith, believing that God will give you wisdom, he will. Ask for wisdom. Ask for clarity. And understand what the Word of God has for you to say. Have people in your life that you know who hold a worldview, a biblical worldview that you can ask questions of when something doesn't make sense or you're wrestling with something. They can put it in context for you. Be deliberate. Otherwise, if you're not, you're just going to get dragged down the hole that culture is taking us down. And that is away from God. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. God has a direction for your life. But the only way that you can navigate an ever-changing culture is by being rooted, grounded, tied to, anchored to the unchanging Word of God, Scripture, the Bible, that provides for us our worldview. How do we make sense of what's happening around us? By looking through the lens of God's Word to us. I hope that is a help to you. Sometimes we need to sound the alarm. Reading a research study that tells us, communicates through surveys, that less than 50% of pastors in America hold to a biblical worldview, that should alarm us. And that should cause us to step back, ask about our worldview, where we've gotten it from, are we being passive, and asking how can I develop a worldview that is consistent with the Bible and how can I help others in my life do the same. I hope that has helped to you. Uh, so much of what we talk about on this show is related to culture, and um, it can be overwhelming, it can be discouraging, it can be hard to understand, but we need to be rooted to the Bible that gives us the right perspective so that we can make the right decisions. If you're not yet subscribed to this podcast, please do that right now. Go ahead and subscribe. And then when you get a chance, go over to YouTube. You can find our YouTube channel, The Situation Report. Hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, leave us a comment, and we'd love to communicate with you there. Thank you for uh, watching. Sincerely, thank you for being a part of uh, what we're doing here, and we will continue to do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. We will talk to you soon.